Today, I am joined by Ben Pyle, uh, founder of the Climate Debate UK and also a cabinet member on Together Association. Uh, and uh, well, you are a kind of climate researcher, let's say, and have uh, recently published uh, uh, a paper called Clean Air, Dirty Money and Filthy Politics. Welcome to the programme, uh, Ben. Thanks very much, Mike. It's great to be here. Let's get started. I mean, the, the title of the uh, of the paper is pretty clear uh, because dirty money and filthy politics seems to be the situation that we're in at the moment. And, and what struck me about the paper as I read it was uh, uh, you're you're talking about so many of the, the things that, uh, that we have been covering over many, many years, C40 cities uh, uh, and so on, uh, this, the whole city's agenda. Uh, and the fact that cities are, are absolutely leading the way in terms of pursuing uh, climate, uh, the climate agenda, the net zero agenda, and they're using uh, increasingly clean air as the mechanism to sort of drive that in the first place. That's right. Yeah, we look at that. We think of that as like kind of a, pretty much a symptom of the failure of the green agenda so far. In fact, so uh, we we produced a, another report earlier on in the year looking at the science of air pollution claims such as Sadiq Khan's uh, claim that 4,000 people die from air pollution in in London each year, which is just nonsense. And and, um, actually, you can find scientists being very frank about the fact that this is nonsense and and, and even uh, you know through th- through sort of committees that the government have convened and actually the chair of that committee is is also the chair of imperial college um the 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 the, the body at imperial college london that sort of now services uh sadiq khan's claims with science so cool but it's it's not peer-reviewed science and it's um, it's not not scientific even it's just sort of statistical modeling but anyway the point is what why what we wanted to know really was well why does this persist why do these kind of claims persist throughout public life through through politics why 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 are politics so sort of uh, reluctant to accept that the, you know challenges to the, this view um, 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 and sort of listen to to, to the critics of, of of those claims, um, and I, I think pretty. I mean, you know, I I, th- I don't know if this report's going to tell anyone who watch you know watches this kind of show anything they didn't necessarily already know. But we did think it was important to sort of make it in a formal to to, to create a very sort of formal argument about how this new form of politics works what the kind of structures are and 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 who what's dominant in it because it's clearly not democratic right you know it's clearly not the case that people are or ever were marching in the street demanding tighter air pollution controls and demanding that the government takes away their cars and 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 restricts their access to roads um so so where where does it come from and, um, and, you know, we discover, well, we didn't discover, we, we already knew, but we, we, we show that, that philanthropists have this um, undue role, this outsized role in global politics. And pretty much in the case of some very big players like Bill Gates, of course, and uh, Mike Bloomberg, arguably they've just bought their way in. Now, it's fine, in a sense, I think, to, to argue that civil society organizations and to a greater or lesser or extent sort of some intergovernmental agencies might require philanthropy to, to, to survive, especially in the case of charities. But we point out that it's more the case that billionaires are able to buy 
civil society, not just civil society organizations. Um, what we're doing here now is civil society, but but we're we're against um, we're against the dominant part of civil society, which doesn't have any real connection with the public. It's all it's all top down. It's all from these very lofty philanthropic organizations that just sort of set things up. They can just, you know, conjure up organizations to suit their needs um, uh, as they arise. Um, and so that's that's kind of a departure from how we might have once understood politics. Um, democratic politics in this country is mostly organized around a contest of ideas between broadly competing uh, parties representing different interests in society. Let's look into the, at this in a little bit more detail because you've talked about philanthropists and you've talked about civil society uh, organizations, uh, which we might call charities. NGOs are another aspect of this. That's right. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then on top of that as well, there are, the, the, for example, C40 Cities, UK 100, uh, a whole bunch of other, the Global Parliament of Mayors, a whole bunch of other organizations and institutions which have been established and have really gained a lot of traction in the last 20 or 30 years, um, which are completely outside the, the, what people would perceive as being the normal democratic process. The majority of people probably don't even know they exist. I mean, if we took a straw That's poll right. of, of people in the UK and said, you know, have you heard of the Global Parliament of Mayors? Uh, very, very few people will have heard of that or know anything about it. Uh, and so this is all going on in plain sight. Um, and us as, as, as the electorate, as, as people that think we live in a democracy, um, have played no part in the establishment of these organizations and play no part in, in holding them to account. So, so how has this happened and how has this crept up on us? And what do you think the steps are that we need to take to, to, to uh, deal with it? Oh, well, there are, I think there are a number of hypotheses about the genesis of this kind of, what would you call it, philanthropic industrial complex, you know, and um, I think uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's uh, book, I think it's called Woke Inc., does shed some light on that, perhaps uh, being a, a system that kind of developed under Obama whereby there was, I believe, tax breaks or some such thing for philanthropic gestures, and, and that pushed a lot of money into causes that were uh, you know, more or less aligned with the Democratic uh, Party's sort of consensus or, or ideological priorities or what have you. So I think, I think that was probably the shot in the arm over the last sort of, well, over the Obama era and since. Um, but this is, a, this is a longer thing. And, and, and you know, people, what would you say, veterans of the climate wars, I suppose you would say, um, have known that this has been going on since the 1960s, sort of 60s, that very powerful people, very rich people have variously, or you know, not, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but a, a, a nucleus of them certainly began to sort of uh, believe in the 1960s in this Malthusian principle uh, and, and, and to try and reinvent the work of uh, Thomas Malthus um, that, that was sort of aimed to restrict the human fertility 
Um, they spent billions on trying to reduce population in, in the developing world. Um, so they were kind of gripped by this idea and they were very, they were able to set themselves up through the United Nations, um, through the, you know, this, this uh, was an oil tycoon, Morris Strong. And that really established environmentalism um, in the UN. Uh, and 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 that the the United Nations Environment Programme, very much led by um, Strong and and his you know fellow philanthropists, these billionaires like the Rockefellers, um, and and it's kind of snowballed since then. And I I think it's it's very global politics is very attractive to national uh, politics. So so you know. Uh, I, Someone like we, we, we are our favourite demon, Tony Blair. Um, he, he's much more drawn to the glamour and the, the and what have you of of a global institution of these enormous sort of uh, political structures, rather than just the sort of slightly boring day to day stuff um, that characterises uh, domestic UK politics. So, you know, so there's been attempt to rebuild to to, to sort of build. Uh, political institutions at the global level going on since the foundations of the United Nations, you know, since the first days, or even before, if you take the League of Nations as representative of the same same effort. So it's always been a dream of of, of global government for for good and bad reasons, um, and and that uh, uh, that a lot of people have invested um, their philanthropy in it and their and their hopes for for a different form of politics. Um, uh, than the, the one we're, we're sort of used to. So I think these these kind of things coincide and um, or align. And so so the you know the United Nations cannot be a uh, can't be dominated by a form of politics, for example, that characterizes the ideologies of the early early twentieth century. You know, if it's left wing or right wing as such. Um, then, then, then there's going, you know, the the, the 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 political project is not going to be able to sustain itself because it will obviously rub against democratic principles where people choose about what kind of ideologies um, that their governments, uh, uh, you know, or, or what the organising principles of their governments are. So um, the, the United Nations has to sort of. It, it, it sort of presents itself as above ideology, and and people for some reason have have sort of come to believe that environmentalism isn't ideological. That this idea about how society must be organised in order to save the planet is just a technical matter, not a matter of um of, of, you know of of ideologies such as those that characterised that the, you know the, the, the early twentieth century, but it is right. It is just as ideological because it says we must be organized in this way. The whole of society, the whole of the economy must be radically reorganized in short order. Um, and then, of course, it just so happens that the people who benefit from that are global technocrats, are billionaires. And, and, and you know, uh, th that's how they can um, their, their interests are going to be served in, in this in this sort of uh, Green utopia that they've designed for us. None of them, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to be losers in this, this, uh, the, it, it, uh, in in the green utopia. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, there's the, the, so those are the two main strands: is you know, this de development of the United Nations and the development of um, 
philanthropy as a sort of uh, a, 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 a political force in and of its own right. Um, probably, probably the more recent part of that. Yes, and, and I mean, you know, the, an example of what you're talking about is uh, Mr. Starmer himself when he was asked whether he prefers Parliament or the World Economic Forum, and uh, yeah, the answer was absolutely. the World Economic Forum. Uh, that was sort of my next question. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about uh, NGO CSOs, we've talked about bodies like C40 Cities and and uh, Global Parliament of Mayors and so on, but. Um, where do you see bodies like the World Economic Forum or the Bilderberg Group or CFR, these types of organizations fitting into all this? Um, are they just part of the puzzle or, or do they have a, a bigger role? Or do, in fact, yeah, like, following on from that, do you think the role of the World Economic Forum is overstated? I do, and that tends to annoy people. But I don't. I, I, I don't want. I don't want to think of it as a as a sort of yes, no, true, false kind of kind of thing. There are there are dozens of, um, or at least a dozen. Um, organizations like the WEF and the, the Bilderberg. Um, and, and I think they've got an interest in overstating their ability to in, influence things. And, and um, so, what, you know, when I was writing the report on air pollution, for example, it doesn't really come up in the machinations. Like, and of course, you know, there are, there are um, WEF meetings and what have you about air pollution and, and climate change. But I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily see them as the instigators so I, I I I don't want to give them too much credit for what they don't they don't they haven't they don't necessarily deserve and haven't necessarily um, uh, uh, created. The way I look at them is more like unsupervised sixth form discos um, preceding an outbreak of chlamydia. If you can compare uh, ideology to an STD, all these people they just move around in these kind of conferences and 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 meetings and boondoggles and beanos and what have you, and and it rubs off on each other. They 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 align through this kind of um, quite bland, insidious process that doesn't take away the evil of it. Like th- this is not how where decisions and ideologies should be made. Like that, like it, it, the democratic. Well, decision making should be democratic. It should be. We should be able to participate in that. And of course, these exclusive clubs are uh, are exactly that. They're going to say no public allowed, no no people allowed. Um, uh, uh, so so um, to 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 bring that back to the report, um, it, it seems to me that that you, you know with with figures like Bill Gates. Pushing sums like four point seven billion dollars into organisations like uh, the World Health Organisation, funding UK universities to the tune of three hundred plus million dollars e- uh, each. That's not a year. That's that's in, in total. But you know they're giving they're giving vast budgets to um, research in in the UK and 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 throughout the world, and they're dominating civil society. Um, just these, you know, just the few, the handful of billionaires that we look at: Bill Gates, Mike Bloomberg, Christopher Hone, Jeremy uh, Grantham. Um, you, you, you know, the, the, the WEF. That, that, I mean, those those are sums that are far bigger than the WEF, and they they encompass much more of society than you know just Davos man. 
who who used to be, by the way, I mean, he was just an object of ridicule in the 2010s. He's, Davos Mann was quite this quite naff figure who, who you know, who was sort of burdened by the latest uh, gadgets, gizmos, and fashionable, um, you know, fashionable causes. He wasn't a serious person. Um, he sort of he he he. he um, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a spiv, really, and um, not 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 someone who is capable of executing uh, a, a, a you know a world plan, and and I think w we should actually perhaps even look at the, these billionaires in the same way, and it's not necessarily the case that you know, like um, the the guy in The Simpsons, the evil the evil power station guy, you know, they've got this this program. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the, so so like kind of, it's almost a civil society has been established to just completely flatter the egos of these already very narcissistic and psychopathic people. So so they they may themselves be victims of ideology. It's not necessarily like scripts and plans and you know um, and what and what have you. It's it, the, the the if you like the abomination is just in the configuration of politics in this way, not necessarily the, the documents that, 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 that reveal what their agenda is. Um, and I appreciate that's nuanced. And, and some people might say, well, what difference does that make to me? You know, but, 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 that, but, that, but that certainly works both ways. I don't, I don't think that, that, that billionaires should be able to give them gifts with strings to intergovernmental agencies and civil society organizations um, with such influence in, in, in public life. Um, so I don't, I don't need the WEF or the Bilderbergs or to, to explain that um, position. I just need to say, I don't, I don't want this. I don't like their ideas. I think they're wrong. I think they distort science uh, research um, Across the board, they distort not just <clears throat> not just scientific research. They <clears throat> excuse me. They distort uh, social and economic research and, and all kinds. You know, they form cabals, um, and that's one of the things we point out in the report. Even twenty years ago, researchers into malaria and other transmissible diseases, uh, particularly those that affect the third world, they were complaining that philanthropy, specifically from Gates has this toxic effect on research. It, it, it distorts the priorities of research and replaces them with the agenda of the philanthropist. So, you know, and, and we know he's got, he's, he's, Gates, for example, is, is preoccupied with vaccines. Well, we, well vac uh, malaria was eliminated in much of the West, in, 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 in Europe and in America, in North America, um, and he's even as far north as the Arctic Circle. Um, not through vaccines, you know. We had we 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 people went out with a lot of pesticide, and 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 where there were malaria mosquitoes, they were wiped out. Now that 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 may or may not have ecolog uh, ecological problems, but that was that was the approach we took, or, or the or, or you know sort of uh, forward thinking. In fact, uh, governments and regulators took in order to address a very serious problem. Um, that you know that would not be tolerated today, and, and you can be sure that if something of that order did return today, uh, people would be pretty pretty quickly demanding that kind of solution. Um, so 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 um, that that begins to shift the discuss you know this philanthropy 
shifts the center of gravity of those discussions um, and, and scientific research in institutions where strings should not be attached. We want scientists to pursue what is of interest to scientists. And we want social researchers similarly to be independent of these ideological agendas. That doesn't mean that they don't have their own ideological agendas or are not vulnerable to them, but that, that, the point of science is to reconcile those kind of differences in society. So, yeah, so probably, probably long-winded say, I just, think, I just think this kind of dominance of philanthropy is un unhealthy, and, and I, I think we can start there more simply than we can with, with other sort of forms of criticism about WEFs and, and so on. If philanthropists were really charitable, they would just give the money to whoever they th just as everybody else does. They would Absolutely. give the money to whoever they think yeah. is doing a good job, and that would be it. But as you say, conditionalities are attached, and therefore there is an agenda at work here. But, but uh, if we just look at the funding for scientific research at the moment, you've mentioned Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but I mean, who else is is directly funding this type of research in terms of clean air and climate policy? Just on those specifics, um, well, well, I mean, the, the point of the research is we, we sort of try and demonstrate three tiers to this because we were, we, um, uh, because it was necessary to sort of explain the context of what we were talking about. So at the top, we point out there is the likes of Bill Gates, and he spent an enormous amount of money over over the course of the the development of the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, uh, Foundation. I, th I think it's in the order of eighty five billion. Uh, dollars, um, but I, I don't have the the figures in in front of me, um, and and he is he's kind of um, I argue that that that's quite simply buying his way into these intergovernmental agencies and so on and so forth. That's as I've explained. Then there's a second tier, which is more of the green billionaires, um, and they're kind of beginning to buy their their way in in the same way. And the three that we look at there. It, uh, uh, Mike Bloomberg, the media news media guy and um, the owner of the developer of the Bloomberg Terminal, which sort of transmits financial information extremely rapidly around the world, um, and uh, Christopher Hone, who's the UK billionaire hedge fund manager, um, and and uh, Jeremy Grantham, who who's most I mean he's he's a bit of a smaller deal, but he he's interesting because he he funds uh, very expensive units bearing his name at the London School of Economics and Imperial College. And I think he's given those in the order of about 30 million um, uh, of some denomination each. Um, so, uh, 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 and then the, the third tier is, is just showing how the air pollution is uh, a proxy battle of the climate war. So, in fact, it's just those you know, money from climate philanthropists that is 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 making its way to the air pollution campaigns. So you know, the, and the the second tier is is developing along the science, same lines as as the first tier, and and the uh, air pollution anxieties are just the annex of of the, of the climate wars. Right. Something I wanted to ask you specifically yeah. about here was, uh, and if I've, if I've misread this in the in the report, then then say so. But if we look at, uh, for example, the Foreign Commonwealth Office uh, and, and the way that they mm. distribute money around the world. They are off. They they up to a point. We're publishing uh, all spending over twenty five thousand pounds. 
and they would send money to a particular organization, but then that organization would then distribute that money further down the chain. And so what, what effectively was happening was that the money was being laundered so that you never knew that it was actually that a particular uh, NGO that was working in a country was actually being funded by the, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office via these other intermediaries. And, and I was just wondering whether, I think I read that in, in the report, that's kind of the same model that's being used in this case as well. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, we looked less at that than I would have liked to have done. I, um, it needs more, more, more work. We only have when well, we've got incredibly limited resources. Um, uh, you know, not not being funded by billionaires. Um, so, I was, you know, only able to take a few weeks to to, to do this. Um, the, the 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 dev tracker info that that the uh, that from Foreign and Commonwealth Office do put out is really interesting, and it was very. I've 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 seen it quite a lot sort of leveraging quite a lot of money um the but the, the billionaires money they seem to amplify their money through through government largesse um you know so yeah you could find uh, at the foreign commonwealth office um donations to the world wildlife fund of 30 million pounds and then and you can find the um the, you know their their funding the most bizarre i found which we we discuss is this um organization called client earth which which uh, you know uses judicial reviews takes governments and companies to courts to try and um advance the 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 green agenda um the government's given them 40 uh, sorry uh, 4 million pounds so far that we found and and yet they have taken the government to court nine time at least nine times on the issue of air pollution um i think that that uh, that was by 2019 and i think there've been a number of cases since which is just absolutely i mean who's heard of a a a a, a plaintiff uh, being funded by a defendant in a in a in a lawsuit, that that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, kind of, I'm I'm paying you to sue me. Yet yeah, that is what that is that's that's the situation. That's the absurdity of of the situation we're in. Of course, um, client Earth is not solely funded by. Um, by the government, it's funded by uh, mostly the, the billionaires we've discussed, um, and I think even um, Pink Floyd's guitarist, is it Dave Gilmore? He he gave them about sixteen million quid, I believe. So they're, you know they're, they're they're pretty they're pretty bloated already with billionaire green billionaire cash. So why the green the, the, the UK government is funding them? I, I I have no idea. But that but that but that perversity in in um, funding. Uh, you know the, these legal campaigns is reflected in 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 a lot of the funding um, that you can see from green organisations uh, to, to green organisations from the government. So so it's it's all it. Uh, I think um, to, more towards the end of the report, and and it's something I've argued elsewhere as well. That there is something of a compact developing between business, government, and civil society. And given that civil society is just a, 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 you know, a product, or, you know, just, a, a, a just bought, owned by um, uh, business, we can say it's a compact between governments and business, or governments and billionaires, if we want to go that, that far. And that's the danger. And you, you, you hear the likes of, you know, former president of COP26, Alok Sharma, MP for Reading West. Um, you know, he was this sort of slightly pathetic figure um, given this sort of huge planet-saving role. 
and he gives this fascinating speech to the Green Alliance. You know, this blob outfit in Westminster, quite quite an old one, but a, a blob outfit all the same. Um, and and we and uh, um, you, you know he uses the word civil society in this sort of presentation um, about you know what 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 about cop 26 and the plans he uses the word the expression civil society like more than uh, more, 10 or so times he never talks about the public right so the the, the, the the public just don't feature in in the thinking of these kind of wonks these technocrats these the the the, the, the people that sort of inhabit um, the foreign the the, the, uh, the foreign and commonwealth uh, uh, and development office it, 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 they they just do think of the whole of the world in in terms of of civil society organisations and and the great and good that they can do, um, uh, uh, leaving out any any you know questions about what, what whether the public agrees with what these vast budgets. This is billions. This is two percent of GDP, which well well it was, which is what what Cameron wanted to use. Um, as the as the aid budget and people and, and I think that this is the the, the trick of this is um, you, you know Cameron will say we we, we, you know, we want to use two percent of GDP to um, as, as as aid and everyone will think of starving babies in Africa and we're going to go and give them some food we might build them some houses we might restore their agricultural land so they can use it no I, it's going to um, you know, the, this kind of questionable university research departments and, and civil society organizations um, and, and other intergovernmental agencies and so on to try and further this green agenda globally. So, so for example, you, you, you look at, uh, you know, some, some West African um, country that may be the, Putative beneficiary of five million pounds, and and then you discover well it's 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 half of that's going to the World Resources Institute, and half of that's going to uh, which is just a like a, a Stern, um, you know Nicholas Stern um, uh, outfit with with Jeremy Grantham's influence and so on and so forth, um, and and then you know there might be a few regional uh, NGOs that take a few of the crumbs. Um, but but what the, the the point of this project is to help somewhere like Ethiopia develop its national de nationally determined contributions to the Paris Agreement or under the Paris Agreement. So so it's it, this is this looks like aid. This looks like going to help hungry Africans. But actually, it's just it's just in, uh, strengthening the Paris Agreement. It's buying and bribing uh, uh, officials in other countries. To to adhere to the UK government's preferred global political institutions and and treaties and so on and so forth, so so none of that gets discussed. Um, and I, I've I've done a few dives on 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 those funds because um, I remember in, um, this is probably a distraction from the air pollution discussion, but um, uh, you you know um, a, a few months ago, aid to India. Um, became a big thing because the, uh, India just put uh, a, a spacecraft on on the moon, which is which is great. And then people were saying, "Hold on, we're spending all these these millions um, on aid in India." 
and and then if you go and look at what the money is actually going towards it's stuff like creating apps to help people so so there was a a, a few million quid that went to software developers in, in India to develop apps for people's smartphones so that they could live sustainable mm. you know they could have sustainable uh, lifestyle tips or what have you completely daft and 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 they they uh, uh, you you know I I think what that's trying to do is 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 to buy a part of Indian society to you know to to try and change values in in, in there uh, you, you know, so that people so there's you know two or three hundred people in India now who are sort of who have got buy-in to Western environmental ideological precepts. Right? And that's how this 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 stuff is intended to work, and and um, but but you won't you won't hear that kind of thing discussed in mainstream discussions about aid. They'll they'll go back, you know, it's on the BBC. They'll be talking about the devastating um, floods or famines or what have you that people elsewhere have to de- de- deal with. So um, yeah, it's a, it's it's a great big scam. This is all the same policy being expressed in, in many ways. Now, the question I had for you was, uh, therefore, politicians are not representing our wishes. Uh, they're not rep- representing us in any way. They're re- representing policies to us, it seems to me. And therefore, you know, all the, at best, all we have is a veneer of democracy here. It's a non-democracy here. You can have uh, a management style. And that, and that, the only contest that really exists between, um, for example, Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak, is a, is a fake debate about who's competent to to run the state. It's not about anything deeper about any of the principles, the organising principles at stake. You know, there, there aren't there are none because they're just too they're just too. Well, everyone knows they're puppets. Even even people who would vote Labour or or, or Tory. Uh, know that Rishi Sunak doesn't represent them, and and Keir Starmer doesn't. They they know they know that. I think the best thing in the world that could happen would be if both Tories and Labour and the others <clears throat> got together and said, "We won't vote for our party if you don't vote for your party," because we both know that they are completely corrupted. Labour doesn't represent the working class, and Conservatives don't represent. Um, the traditional values that that, that 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 party used to stand for, and liberal Democrats, of course, are neither liberal nor democratic. Um, and there's a question mark over whether the Green Party are actually green. So, so like the the uh, that that being the case, they, they've they've all sort of um, arrived at a consensus position on on these issues. And what we show in the report. Is it's the, it was a, a consensus that was engineered by the Green Alliance, which is the, I, I mentioned them a few moments ago. Um, this sort of think tank, very very rooted in Wester. Um, it's not massive; uh, it doesn't have you know budgets of tens of millions or anything, but it but it has a lot of influence in 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 Westminster, and they were behind the, instigating the um, the the. Uh, climate assembly, a sort of big experiment with against democracy a few years ago, um, that, that that sort of coincided with the arrival of Extinction Rebellion, and um, 
you know, they, so they they organised this campaign in the in the 2015 general election. Um, I think it's called Show the Love, and and they they basically lobbied uh, the leaders of the parties, um, the three main parties, David Cameron, of course, uh, Ed Miliband, who was Labour leader at the time and Nick Clegg of the Liberal Democrats. And there's this picture of them all signing this pledge <clears throat> not to debate climate policy, but to all agree to to sort of emphasise uh, the Paris Agreement and, um, uh, 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 and and tackling climate change in their policy agendas. So, so you know, so, sort of agreement to put the green blob before the interests of the... Uh, of the public and, then, and to allow the public a view. And, and I think people would recognise that not just in climate change now, but across the board. It's really difficult for... I, I can only really go on about climate change, but um, I think people you know, will recognise that, that, that woke has established itself in, in the political establishment at large, not necessarily just the just in Westminster, um, in, uh, along the same lines, um, and, you know, racial ideology, gender ideology, all of the and and, and green ideologies, and they're all pretty much a piece, and they've all sort of set themselves in in Westminster in this kind of way, uh, it, it, and and at the expense of us participating in politics and deciding what principles should should be key to to policy making. Um, I mean, I don't want to return to the 1970s, for example, when you had, you know, these these horrible disputes between Labour and, as it were, Capital or Labour, uh, uh, you know, between uh, we don't want strikes again, right? Mm. But 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 we do want there to be a dialogue of some kind between between um, differing perspectives in society. Otherwise, those differences in society are going to fester. And they're going to be dangerous. That that those schisms are going to become dangerous. That's why we have democracy. Is because it's the it's the it's the best way of resolving tensions that develop within society. But if you've got a whole political establishment which is very easily bought into these sort of uh, fluffy um, uh, consensuses that have a uh, billions of pounds of PR surrounding them. Um, well, well, well what, what's going to happen? And I think it's really important to remember that as these politicians were trying to build the consensus around climate change, um, we were going into a referendum um, where, where really the, polit- the, 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 the public had been denied this, 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 this view for a really long time, uh, been, been denied the ability to give a view on... on um, on Britain's membership of the European Union for for such a long time, and that had grown and grown and grown until it was a pro- such a problem for David Cameron that he was forced to give people uh, a consensus, and then they th- and then the, the the they threw the whole resources of the state behind trying to sort of uh, uh, nudge people into making the right choice. So 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 like, uh, there couldn't be a more vivid demonstration about the difference between you know the, the democratic deficit everyone in the everyone oh well not everyone of course because it did, didn't turn into a it wasn't 100 percent. but but the the largest the largest sort of uh the, the the dominant issue as far as the public were concerned for the preceding 15 or 20 years was the question of britain's membership of the eu mm. whereas the dominant question as far as westminster was concerned was what happens if it gets two degrees warmer? 
right? That's just this. So people were saying, we want democratic control of policy because there's all this stuff that's going on that's terrible. We've got this growing immigration problem. We've got this growing house, housing problem. And we've got all these economic problems um, that haven't been resolved. Um, and, and, and you're all dancing around in Europe worrying about climate change. We need to bring we need to bring politics back uh, to back to democracy, um, and 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 you know the the likes of Ed Miliband wandering around with their heads in the clouds um, uh, on on the global stage just didn't recognise that, still don't recognise that um, democratic deficit uh, as something that needs to be um, uh, re- resolved. So that that's kind of an important that's an important aspect to understanding how air pollution fears and crises develop this is their context right this is it's it's from it's this democratic deficit that that um creates this kind of distorted view on the other side um that that the likes of ed miliband and and other politicians are are victims of um and and what what so what we really point out in, in that part of the report, is that global climate politics, it kind of comes to a halt in 2015 um, with the Paris Agreement, um, and perhaps uh, knocked a bit for six as well by Britain's uh, Britain's vote, uh, you know, the, the Leave vote, and also by Donald Trump's election, right? These are two kind of earthquakes that unsettled global, uh, you know, globalists, if you like, in their in their ideologies, um, and so there's a recognition that cl- global uh, 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 the Paris Agreement essentially allows everyone to set their own um, emissions targets, whereas in the past the hope was you could get one size fits all. Everyone would agree it's such an emergency; we all have to impose this 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 one policy now. And then, and 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 then every country has to deal with it. But now it's it, it's it's this sort of um, fake agreement to to dis- so it's an agreement to disagree basically. Um, and so um, uh, politics, climate politics, um, has to shift. It has to go somewhere else. Um, uh, and uh, where it goes is is local. Because if you, I mean, as as we've seen now, there's a lot of fallout about Rishi Sunak's plans to abolish. Um, he well, he he says he put back the deadline for uh, uh, abolishing petrol and diesel cars to 2035 to bring it into alignment with other countries. This is this is enormously politically toxic for national governments. So so national so climate policies don't work at the global level. They don't really work at the national level. So so um, they've been trying to find ways to push climate policy making to local politics, where of course turnouts are extremely low. You know, and so, uh, I, I don't think any uh, London mayor, for example, um, has ever had a turnout at the election of more than forty five percent. And of course, they're not. They're, they're they're getting barely more than half of that um, total vote in the in the second round. So um, the, you know they can't really claim that very many Londoners support support any mayor that there's ever been. I think what what uh, I think people have pointed out: more people voted Brexit in London than voted for Sadiq Khan, which is this remarkable disparity given the ambition. 
to uh, that 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 Khan has to mm-hmm. abolish everyone's cars. Anyway, so so um, giving powers, as it were, to local authorities, um, uh, uh, essentially to exceed what people would believe to be local authorities' powers, um, is where the the climate agenda has ended up, and and so. You know, um, banning cars um, is is done on the basis of air pollution at the local level, not on the level, not uh, not as climate change at the national or global level, um, and and you, you, you and 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 it's done in the context of extremely weak. Uh, democratic engagement. Um, you know, I've given the example of London, but in many local elections um, throughout the UK, you know, the, the turnouts are as low as the low teens. So, so you know, um, and 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 that's for you know for for, for all parties. So you, you could, you know, there there could there could be a, a council. That has just you know just the support, the, a mandate given to it by by single digit percentage of, of, of the local population. Yet what they want to do is extremely radical, even even by national uh, government standards. So so they um, uh, you, you know is a is a huge change to the way we live our lives. Uh, you know radically changes the, the informal. Uh, social care that goes on it radically changes the opportunities that you can give children um, and it radically it, it changes uh, 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 how you get to work and so on and so forth but that is now that is the competence that's been assumed by um, uh, local governments and what what we so what I found fascinating about this because we were saying well what's that got to do with billionaires like Mike Bloomberg well Mike Bloomberg um, was mayor for three terms of New York City. Uh, um, and and, and we st- I've been talking about turnouts, and, and the, the turnout in, in New York was catastrophically low. I think, in, I think it's got 25%. And in, so in, in, in his third term um, in office, um, Bloomberg spent, for every single vote that he achieved... One hundred and eighty-six dollars, which is, I mean, he, he, he spent more on a on a you know on on his mayor, mayoral election than all UK political parties spent on 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 a, on a general election campaign, and for a city the size of London, for a job like Sadiq Khan's, I mean, it's just an extraordinary amount of money. So my suggestion is, uh, this indicates that local government, not just in the states. We've got the same problems here. Are completely vulnerable to money, yeah. um, and they're completely vulnerable to to these fake civil society organisations, and uh, uh, and and so being completely open to to the power of money, um, that was the obvious place for climate politics to go from global to to to, to local. Um, and, and Mike Bloomberg has seen it. And if you look at Mike Bloomberg's presence at COP28, which is happening now, um, he's he's running this strand on local politics. He's running the show, literally running the show, um, and discussing how they can further buy 
their way in to local politics to essentially circumvent democracy at national and local levels. Um, but in case that sounds gloomy, because local elections are so have such low turnouts, we have a huge opportunity here to organise independent campaigns to stand against those candidates that are so vulnerable to the green blob and so so that you know we 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 can overturn this um and that that's why you know citizen journalism and organizations and and campaigns like together are so important um to 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 help that process well uh, absolutely and uh of course you know people will be often pessimistic about local politics and getting involved in local politics but it's a great way to get a message to, to an audience uh, without requiring the mainstream media. And that's really what I want to ask you about next. Um, because obviously none of this could happen if the media was doing its job and was actually helping to hold politics uh, at whatever form of politics it is to account. Uh, and contrary to that, they have demonstrated in the last 10, 20 years to be absolutely on board with with policy rather than holding policy to account so i just uh wondering what you think about mainstream media oh well i try not to i mean <laughs> i don't i don't <laughs> uh, i i mean i could i mean actually i say i don't i try not to i just i mean i i i, I used to just turn it, it used to be tuned on to my radio my, my radio used to be radio four in the kitchen i i just I mean, it's something I listened to from my, you know, from my childhood into well into my thirties, um, the BBC, and um, uh, and I just don't recognise it. First of all, like kind of, I just don't. It, it, you, I mean, of course, there were always sort of leftoids and ideologues and what have you at the BBC, and that's that. that but that was all f- added to the richness of the experience, I think, and. Um, I turn it on now, and it, I, 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 I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't. I, 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 maybe I'm just standing like a grumpy old man. Um, it, it, yeah, I didn't recognise the Britain that they were portraying. I didn't recognise any of the issues that they were, they were claiming were, 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 were sort of do- ought to be dominant. And the, and the same with the T. I mean, I, the, the TV. I, I probably switched off many years earlier. Um, although I, I, I used to remember thinking Channel Four was really amazing. Ben, Channel 4 used to be, in terms of mainstream media news, Channel 4 news used to be uh, pretty much top line. Uh, And if you remember back in 2009, 2010, they exposed the swine flu scam that was trying to be pushed on on the the world at that time. And and then go forward 10 years, and they were absolutely 100% behind the COVID uh, narrative as well. So, so, you know, they, that something changed there. But I wasn't even, uh, you yeah. know, BBC and, and, and broadcast news, that's one thing. But also we've got, still got the newspapers. And, of course, The Guardian in particular have been on the receiving end of quite a lot of the philanthropic money that oh, you yeah, were talking yeah, about yeah, earlier yeah. in the in this uh, interview. So so uh, there, there is definitely influence coming through from the same kinds of sources that are influencing uh, academia and politics. Uh, yeah. So the other change that happened, of course, over the COVID period is they started being directly funded by government for advertising in a way that they hadn't been up to that point as well. So, so uh, you know, I, I just wonder how much of that is is the reason that they are refusing to actually engage in these topics. 
again, the sums are pretty large, and that's only the ones we've been able to to uncover. Um, a lot of money going from Bill Gates to to the B, the World Service end of the BBC, not necessarily the license fee funded part of the BBC. Um, and uh, I, I think the BBC and, and, and there's some very interesting uh, documents around again around the around 2016 um uh, from from the bbc's charitable arm um bbc media action um which feeds into a lot of bbc world service programming which in turn gets pushed out variously uh, across the network so um the bbc's fact checking unit is funded through this stuff it's also quite uh, uh, a beneficiary of quite a generous grant from central government as well, which has the same preoccupations. But around 2016 is when all of this um, panic about misinformation begins, um, and and you know this the the, the, the fake news uh, stuff. And I think it's because the BBC, uh, you know, being the the main instrument of the political establishment at large i would say not necessarily the government or the state you know but the, but but the, the 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 political class it sort of represents it, its most prominent sort of institution is is of course the bbc and 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 it's terrified you know if you if you read these kind of discussions uh, are, are, are in the in in the bbc that about what's just happened Trump's just been elected. Um, uh, Brexit's just just been voted for, and and they're like, oh my gosh, what what have we what have we allowed to happen? We were supposed to be the centre of gravity of everyone's opinion in the whole UK. We national agenda. We were supposed to be presenting to people the view of the world, and. Um, uh, and they, they feel like they failed, so they kind of double down, and 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 uh, uh, I think I think the the other broadcasters and a lot of the rest of the media were in their orbit, but I think they've doubled down too hard. So and I and I think that that um, you know so we, we might see these quite large sums going like you know in the order of fifty million dollars going from Bill Gates to the BBC, twelve million I think to the Guardian. And even some to the Telegraph, but it's not—it's not—it's not, not going to work now because that dis, there's a disjuncture now, and and too many people have read it, and too many people have seen it, so now people are just switching off the BBC um, precisely because it's just become this bland conformism that doesn't—it doesn't explore any issue to any depth, and you know, the, 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 as, as much someone say could say. Oh, you just got this view that's an outlier that's out of kilter. Um, that that's much more interesting to people than sort of authorized consensuses about you know the 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 the, the correct scientific opinion. Um, pe people people want to hear about debates. People want to hear about um, uh, 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 you, you know differences of perspective. And people people don't want to be spoon fed. Um, bland piety through their TV, so and that's why they're switching off. But none of the, the broadcasters recognise it. I think Channel Four just blew five million pounds on I, I, um, on on sort of uh, reinventing their logo, 
um, and making films about how they did it. Um, but then that that just leaves five million pounds they're not spending on the content. They're all logo and no products, right? But they're not they're not interesting enough for logo to stick on people's t-shirts or something. So so um, you know they 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 become in in this kind of way preoccupied with themselves as brands and sort of their relationship to society at the expense of actually serving any good in society. So I think people people have people have turned off. So again, I wouldn't be too bleak about the dominance of ma- mainstream media because it's I know you know apart from anything else, we're here now. We're doing this now. This probably wasn't possible to the extent that it is now uh, before COVID and before climate, before, before net zero um, and before wokeness. So every, every kind of trench that the, um, the, uh, the, the, that, that establishment position digs as its own kind of defenses undermines its own foundations. People don't want, people want stuff like this. And the, the more people that sort of find it, um, the more, the more they will watch, it. and the more that the BBC and Channel Four and the, the mainstream newspapers um, are, are defensive about it, the more, the more they will drive people away. That that that's that's been the, the tendency. So um, long, long may they continue. But that that is also why they're getting very aggressive about online harms and um, misinformation and yes. other stuff. So we have to be careful. It's not it's not a done deal. There's a lot more they could do to to, to prevent fr- freedom of expression, and that they are planning to do. And we've got we've got to be careful to it. But I, I think we should be again optimistic about mainstream media's demise. I think it will it, it is imminent, and it will be a good thing. I can't leave without talking about air quality itself, uh, and uh, uh, and a bit. I mean, one of the points that's made in the paper is that, of course, the the, the air quality debate isn't based on science. And and so, I mean, whenever Sadiq Khan is, is claiming that uh, he needs a, an ultra-low emission zone because air quality is is bad in, in London and 4,000 people are dying a year and so on, I mean, what 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 is the scientific evidence on his correctness or incorrectness on that? There is no science of it, first of all, right? So there isn't, there, there was an attempt to estimate the mortality risk of air pollution exposure, um, and and that ba- is based on a broader number of studies, and it's quite simple. Um, you, you you sort of try to estimate a population's level of exposure, and then you look at how long they're living, um, and then you, you you try to 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 work out what the influence of of those air pollutants, specifically um, PM 2.5, which is the smallest um, particles of soot and the such like in, in air, um, and stuff like nitrogen, uh, the, the noxes and soxes, nitrogen dioxides and uh, nitrogen oxides and sulfur oxides. So um, they try to build these statistical models of, 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 of that exposure risk. And now, as useful, they may well be useful in certain contexts. And and um, I'm not against, like, you know, I think it's probably better that we we, we don't have uh, open coal fires in in a place like London. I think that you know. So, but I don't. I don't. Th- I, I, we're talking about something categorically different 
when we, we, we now when we're talking about banning anything we're essentially talking about banning combustion full stop of any form um so the 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 um the the, the government had convened in the t- 2000s or uh, you know they sort of met occasionally a panel of experts called committee on the medical effects of air pollutants it's called comiat and and that sort of brought these sort of researchers and scientists together um with a couple of uh lay people interestingly enough again from one a representative from the green alliance that blob organization i've discussed quite a bit um and they discussed how what what, what how can we work out what what it, what is the mortality risk and they 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 try every few years to sort of synthesize the science um, uh, that, that, that's available. Um, so in the, 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 one of the, the sort of key um, events that is a report they produced in 2018, where there's sort of more, more definitive effort to estimate mortality risk of, 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 of all the pollutants that people are um, exposed to um and they and they produce this model but but a lot of the scientists on the panel or a number of the scientists on the panel it's not a huge panel um they disagree and they say this is not a safe way of uh, uh informing policy Morta- there is no mortality risk associated with air pollution exposure and you, we know that um because uh people are living longer lives Right, so uh, you, you know it's misleading to say that someone dies because of pollu- exposure to air pollution. Um, now, it might be that you live slightly longer if you're exposed to slightly or much less air pollution. But this is this is it, it, these this, these effects are extremely weak statistically. Um, so, as as the, we point out in the earlier report. Um, life expectancy has been growing through most of the 20th century and into the 21st century pretty linearly, linearly at a rate of 72 days per person per year. So, you know, you're like, this is life expectancy increasing at this quite phenomenal rate, certainly a historically unprecedented um, uh, development. So people were where they were sort of at the middle of the last century dying towards the end of their 60s now they're living into their 80s as an average as an expected norm um so this is and, and that's that's great um uh we, we we want this but uh, uh the, the the and so the worst you can say about exposure to air pollution according to these models is that that 72 days per year increase is slowed down by 64 or so hours a year, right? So you essentially, let's say, you gain 72 d- days a year through whatever is driving normal material progress, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and then you lose 64. So, so 100 steps forward, one steps back, mm. right? That, that's how to think of this. And, so, so it's, so, and that's why it's misleading to say it causes death or it causes pr- premature death. Um, because it's, it doesn't. It just slightly, air pollution exposure slightly slows the rate of increase of life expectancy. Um, so, so, uh, uh, so this debate happens within COMIAP and, 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 and a couple of the, the scientists say, we're not putting our name to this because this is, this is misleading and it's going to distort the public's understanding 
of, of, of air pollution. Um, and, and they say this in 2018. And, and Sadiq Khan has proven them right. Because Sadiq's car, Sadiq Khan, you, you know, uh, and I hate, uh, you know, we've got to, got to re, re, repeat the point. I'm not claiming a denying, a denier's position, for example, that I might be, some people might sort of characterize as my views on climate change. I'm stating the science here, literally the published government official science. It's saying, do not use mortality as a statement of, of, of the risk of air pollution. Um, but, but they, you know, the likes of Sadiq Khan just, 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 uh, just ignore that that warning, that advice from science itself. And I would say scientific institutions, research organizations, such as those that are based at Imperial College, are complicit. And even the chair of COMIAP itself has been complicit in allowing, as it were, Sadiq Khan to get away with that. And 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that that's just because they've been bought, although we can see extremely large amounts of money flowing between um, uh, City Hall in London, the mayor's office, um, and the NGOs and, and philanthropists involved with um, air, uh, air pollution campaigning. Um, but but uh, you know, it might the, the the whole thing might be more um, complex than just about funding. But there's definitely ideology interfering with sci institutional sciences contributions to um, our understanding, and, and, and even after having produced such a clear statement as 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 Comiat did. Its chair is going around supporting the mayor in his very alarmist, uh, uh, propagandist kind of uh, interventions. Yeah. You know, trying to, you know, this this policy making. Um, so, so this uh, and that and that's. I'll just to, to wrap that up. I guess um, that's how we can know that climate change is BS as well, because. Um, Air pollution, as I've said before, is a microcosm, is a proxy battle of the climate debate. And, and if we can see such liberties being taken by institutional science and by scientists at, at, in, this, uh, in, this, in this field, in the field of air pollution, we can definitely see that replicated throughout the other debates about 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 climate change so that's that's what we try and do in the report we try and say air pollution is the microcosm of of the the broader climate and green agenda um and we and we can see these same things happening Brilliant. Uh, ben, we have to leave it there for today. I hope we can do this again in the future. Uh, in the awesome. meantime, uh, how do people uh, get a copy of the report and how do they see your other work? Yeah, you can get the report at the Together uh, Association website. Um, if you'll forgive me if I've forgotten the URL, but it's quite easy to find. You can find it on Twitter as well. We're, we're tweeting it every day at the moment. Um, uh, so so the uh, you can also um, find me uh, on Twitter, Climate Debate. Uh, sorry, Climate Resistance. C L I M uh, number eight Resistance. Uh, my website is uh, climatedebate.co.uk. 
Um, we've also got YouTube uh, channel, but all those are linked to on on Twitter and on the website. Um, but yeah, should be should be easy to find the report um, either by my name or by the Together Association with the word report if you want to do a web search. Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Ben Pyle. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, as I say, hopefully we will see you uh, in the not too distant future. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for now.